and welcome to the Department of Metal Antiquities. Where we remember what everyone else has forgotten. As always, it is Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, the underground heavy metal blog, and the YouTube channel. With me, as always, is my co-host Duncan Evans of Duncan Evans Music and Moonlow. How are you doing this weekend? Hey, 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 I'm not too bad. My internet seems to have failed, but anyway, I, I know why that probably is. We're having internet complications, but by, via the magic of uh, 4G phone technology, we're, uh, we're back up and running and recording. So yeah, all good. How are you doing? Think, think about that for just one minute. Right now, we all have a minimum of two internet service providers in our house at any given time. Yeah. You know, five years ago, that would have been unthinkable. But uh, I am doing all right, and it's been a long weekend here. Uh, did have a really good or irresponsible weekend of purchasing records. On Thursday, I bought uh, possible, uh, possible subject matter later. Some Ronnie James Dio from his 90s era that everyone has forgotten. My copy of Black Sabbath Dehumanizer featuring Ronnie James Dio finally showed up, which I ordered almost a month ago. And I bought a copy of Rainbow Long Live Rock and Roll featuring Ronnie James Dio. So I got three new nice. Ronnie James Dio. Album. It is a very good album. I listened to it yesterday. And I picked up a copy of today's subject, Robert Plant's Manic Nirvana, because I found it for $20 and don't much care for I didn't much care for it, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I went back and bought it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds fair to me. I don't know that one at all, actually. I've heard good things about it, but it's, uh, if you like this. Robert Plant, it's pretty good. Okay, yeah, I do like Robert Plant, so that's good. That's good. All right. <clears throat> so today, well, before we get going, of course, our usual, you know, thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully, you have subscribed, rate, review, all that good stuff. Um, I do my best to get the links out as quickly as possible, but sometimes it, I don't get them out until the end of the day. My my work life balance has changed to a more normal work-life balance, unfortunately, but it is what it is. Um, want to thank uh, Fourth Line Wars podcast, as always. Big hockey podcast. It's a history of fighters, but it's more than just that. A lot more, in my humble opinion. Um, Dumb and Dumbest podcast with Mr. Bacon, Mr. Chocolates, and Mr. Dewar, all great people. If you're looking to build a following of any way and of any sort, they are a great, great place to listen to. Yeah, man, for sure. That's about all I have this week. It's It's been kind of a dull week, so I don't have anything really to talk about. So I guess we'll just move on in to this week's this week's subject. As everybody who has looked at the screen knows, we are talking about Robert Plant's third solo record, Shaken and Stirred, which came out in 1985. It was the first Robert Plant solo album to not feature pop superstar Phil Collins on drums. Indeed, yeah. and um, <clears throat> but, but it did feature some notable people actually so there's a guy called jez woodroff who plays keyboards and synths which are plentiful on this album actually so he did a lot on this album and uh jez woodroff had played with black sabbath he played on the album technical ecstasy the second to last aussie one and he toured with them um during the sabotage and technical ecstasy 
era. So I guess he probably played live a lot of the parts that Rick Wakeman had played on um, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath and things like that. So, and I never knew that. I have got this album. I've owned it for ages on vinyl, but I'd never particularly looked into the personnel. Um, also, I never did either. Yeah. Also, Richie Haywood from a band called Little Feet, who I'm a big fan of, actually. Um, sort of, you might call them Southern rock, funk, bit jazzy, bluesy, really cool bands. Not very metal at all. But I'm just going to say, that is too many different... Uh, qualifiers for one band there can't be all those things but you continue i would say you know i would say funk uh country blues soul bit of jazz but they're, they're really cool check them out um, i have the little feet i am not a not a big fan yeah, little feet is actually a punchline of mine because in st louis we have this show we have the oldest fm rock radio station period kc95 it's not the first it started, but they just it outlasted all the rest of them. And the we always make fun of the KC classics because it would be KC ninety five. We play Led Zeppelin, Metallica, Aerosmith, blah 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 blah. But now our first KC classic of the day, Little Feet. It's like son of a bitch. Why can't I get Metallica? <laughs> See, I'd I'd be glad to have Little Feet instead of Metallica. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, metal world. But anyway, that's just me. Um, but also Tony Halliday of a band called Curve, who I don't know loads about, actually, but I've heard of um, kind of alt rock band started in the 80s, I believe. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure if they already existed when she did this uh, this guest slot with Robert Plant or not. But she's all over this record. Quite a lot of female vocals. And that's who it is. Tony Halliday of Curve. I believe that that she was the one that worked with Bette Midler that Robert Plant got the guest on the album. Cause it's the way he described it was, this was supposed to be a fun record and not so serious and this and that. And it's, well, we'll get to it. Continue. I, I'm glad you have all these stories. Cause I don't know any of these people. I, I looked at this list of people and went, huh, I got nothing. Yeah, no, it's, it's so cool. Um, well, that's kind of it. So yeah. In terms of background and introductions, that's pretty much it. It was his third solo album, as you say, 1985. Um, well, I suppose the only other thing to say is that he, with, with Robert Plant's solo career, as people will know if they've followed it in any way, when he first started releasing music solo after Led Zeppelin, he quite consciously steered away from sounding like Led Zeppelin. And apparently producers were... Uh, producers would work with him and they'd, they'd do something or they'd arrange some music and he'd say, no, 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 we can't have it like that. It's bluesy. And they, and they were like, yeah, but you're Robert Plant. You you know, you're a very bluesy singer. And he was like, no, but I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want to sound like Led Zeppelin. I want to kind of reinvent myself. And <clears throat> I would say this album is probably the, the zenith of that, where he moved probably as far away from Led Zeppelin as he ever got. And then that, after that, he started steering probably back towards accepting Led Zeppelin's legacy as part of him. Agreed completely. This this album, and as we get into it, for anybody who's heard it knows exactly what we are alluding to already. But there there is one song that reminded me of Led Zeppelin. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm going to guess that it reminded you of Led Zeppelin too once we get to it. But it is... 
I'm, I'm going to leave it there because I got a lot more to say that I want to do in the sum up and I don't want to ruin it yet. But this album, now when people say that Plant distinctly shied away from Led Zeppelin, I don't, I disagree. I disagree with that a lot. I know you're not a big fan of Pictures at 11, probably not a principal of moments either. But those two albums, to me, felt like the next evolution of Led Zeppelin. It's easy for us to forget when looking back, what, 50 years ago now? Yeah, 50 years ago, Led Zeppelin was putting out Led Zeppelin 3, getting ready to drop 4, Houses of the Holy, and then Physical Graffiti. But after Physical Graffiti, there were still three more albums to come. There was Presence, In Through the Outdoor, and Coda. I guess we'll call it two. There's still two more albums to come. And In Through the Outdoor and Presence were very different from everything that came up before it. Jimmy Page even referred to the Houses of the Holy Era as the, the, the zenith of their creativity and their power. And that everything from that point was downhill. And I yeah, think that, that... to me, that's because Jimmy Page's involvement steadily went down after that album. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, uh, definitely with, um, say, In Through the Outdoor, they definitely shifted gears a bit. Um, I don't know, man. I would argue that Presence goes back to more of a classic Led Zeppelin heavy rock sound. Um in a diff slightly different way, but certainly by the end, by in through the outdoor, they were using a lot more synths. Uh, it was less guitar riffy. Exactly. And more presence, of a focus on Robert Presence Clark. is the bridge. It's Presence is the bridge between physical graffiti and in through the outdoor. Yeah, no, sure. It's sure. synthy like in through the outdoor and it's riffy like physical graffiti. Yeah, no, I can go with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But everybody, collectively, we all kind of stop with Led Zeppelin at Houses of the Holy. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of physical graffiti, personally. My favourite two are Four and Physical Graffiti. But Physical Graffiti is a slightly odd one because a lot of it was recorded earlier anyway. So it's, it's almost like a compilation, like half of it was recorded at the time and the other half was outtakes from previous records, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I never understood that. And that there's probably a good story there why the song Houses of the Holy, which was recorded during the Houses of the Holy sessions, did not make it to the album Houses of the Holy, but instead made it to the next album. Why did they decide to do a double I, there's, there's a lot of questions I have that I've never had answered, but yeah, so to, sure. To me, it felt like Robert, because Robert Plant, if would had become the the dominant creative force around around presence, because Jimmy Page was checking out more and more, mm -hmm. so he filled the vacuum. And to me, that's where Pictures at Eleven went. It sounded like the next Led Zeppelin album. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I haven't listened to it for quite a while. Um, I remember it, just, it being fine, but not not brilliant, you know? Um, it just didn't sound like classic Led Zeppelin. Yeah. That's, that's how I saw it anyway. Yeah, sure, sure. But certainly by this record, Shaken and Stirred, um, I think most people would agree that it, it doesn't sound too much like Led Zeppelin at all, for the most part. I, I have a lot of questions about this one that aren't answered in the short Wikipedia article about this one. Uh, it's it's odd 
it's like you know i'm gonna say this story now so i don't forget and then we can unless you've got anything else we can go into the track by track at that point mm-hmm. you know the show full house did you get that over there in england say again the full house yeah i don't think so okay. what is it, it was it was recently rebooted as Fuller House on Netflix. Uh, it's a midnight, early to mid '90s cheesy American sitcom. Okay, I don't, I don't think I've seen it. Okay, the uncle ends up the uh, the, the premise of the movie is a married couple have three daughters. The wife is killed in a drunk driving accident, at which point the her the her brother and her, the husband's best friend move in to help raise the children. Mm-hmm. And her brother, Jesse, is the rocker. and He's in rock bands. He plays like Rolling Stones and Beach Boys covers. He's so edgy and, you know, dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then he finds, after six or seven years of the show, he finally gets a record deal with a label called Fat Fish Records, which obviously is not a major. And Fat Fish Records decides to take Jesse the you know, the, the, the 50s or 60s rocker and turn him into a 90s dance sensation. And okay, I see. So the difference between that, in that scenario and what we're dealing with right now is Jesse had this, the, the, the tenacity to say, no, this is what I am. I will be this or you don't have me. And the record label agreed. Mm-hmm. That's how this feels. It feels like in a boardroom they were sitting down with Robert Plant going, yeah, we know Stairway to Heaven is great, but have you heard this new band called Madness? <laughs> yeah, it, it is a lot like that. Now, I could be wrong about this, but my, my impression just from reading bits that Robert Plant has said himself is that it was probably actually led by him more than being led by a record label. I think he wanted to do something. I My impression is that he wanted to do something a bit like almost Talking Heads. I know he mentions David Byrne being an influence on this. And maybe a bit like Japan, if you know the band Japan. I don't know them. Okay, they're, well, they're a cool band, but we're, we're talking about kind of arty 80s alternative pop, almost kind of intellectual coffee table music um arty students i I suppose is a my sort of stereotypical way of describing that i get the impression robert plant wanted to do that um and you know what it's like largely largely he sort of succeeds but there's a few issues with it which make it kind of not quite succeed for me as you're as you're saying this he wanted to make an arty coffee table you know, coffee house, turtleneck and beret record. My my thought, my thinking was, well, why didn't he? <laughs> why did he make this one? This one, it just is so weird. It's it is weird. It, it there are times when this album becomes a flat out undecipherable mess for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll point that I'll point it out when it happens. There. But I think I think we're probably ready to get going on the track by track here. Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna say that I liked it more than I thought I would because I've had this album for years and I probably listened to it once or twice and thought, eh, and then didn't really bother with it. Re-listening today, I liked it more than I thought I would. But anyway, let let's get into the track by track and we'll see what that means. Oh, real quick, did you do? Did you? Rec- 
do your notes from listening to the, the the vinyl copy of this one? I actually didn't. I just I listened. Oh, cheated. Sorry. <laughs> I was hoping. I was hoping. All right, all right. So we're gonna start off. I I did listen to my vinyl copy. It's actually still sitting on the turntable right now. And it's good. It's good. Uh, the first song is "Hip to Who." It is. So I've put that is almost slightly reminiscent of the more poppy Led Zeppelin stuff, actually, from, say, In Through the Outdoor or that track Jamaica from uh, Houses of the Holy. It's got a bit of a Caribbean feel, but it's, it is very 80s. You've got lots of synths, um, bleepy, plinky, plonky synths, synth pads, pretty much no guitar. There might be a tiny bit somewhere in the background, but no obvious guitar. Big punchy drum sound. Um, yeah, so to me, it feels a bit forced, like it's trying too hard to be 80s. And I've also put this maybe just not enough hooks, like it's just not quite catchy enough. All the ingredients are there, but there's no, there's not that, that one line, that sing along melody that sticks with you. You and I have some agreements and some very strong disagreements. Okay. Uh, this has definitely got some very big synthesizers. I, I love you, your description of the plinky plink synths because there's a lot of plinky plinks in this. I, yep. didn't have, I didn't have a good phrase for that. That's perfect. I'm going to use that forever. Mm. It's got the big gang style choruses. It's got, but the interesting thing is it has classic plant vocals. So even though yeah. this, this song to me is a signpost telling all Led Zeppelin fans the same Led Zeppelin and all Led Zeppelin fans will be shot on sight. That's this song to me. He still does those classic howls in those classic yeah. wraparounds. And so it makes it a very, it, it's, it's, it's two great tastes that taste weird together to me. That's it. And I think that is a lot of this album because no matter, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. Robert Plant, it sounds like he did want to do something that was a bit David Byrne-esque, that was this and that was that, and that fitted with this 80s, I don't know, new wave kind of alternative pop type thing. But the problem is he sounds like Robert Plant and he sings like Robert Plant and he can't escape, no matter how unbluesy the music is, his voice just absolutely oozes blues. And he does the whole, all the, all the classic stuff, you know, the baby, 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 and all the, you know, it's all there. It's exactly, it's, all, it's there. all there. I mean, I was waiting for him to start talking about lemons. That's the yeah. only thing. That's the only <laughs> thing this album was missing: lemon trees. It's, he almost says it in one of the songs. He almost <laughs> says it. Yeah. It's anyway. no matter. You're right. No matter how hard he tries at this point in time in his life, he only knows one way to sing. Yeah. And yeah. what I, but what I love about Robert Plant is his solo career is not determined by Led Zeppelin. It is not determined by fan reaction. When Ace Frehley released, in my humble opinion, his best solo record, Anomaly, in 2008, the prevailing opinion, which I was I did not share, was it didn't have enough guitar in it. It wasn't it wasn't Kiss like enough. So his next mm -hmm. album had more solos, more Kiss like riffs, and all that kind of stuff. Robert Plant just does what he does. And totally. Yeah. And, and I really do respect him for that. 
And for me, when Robert Plant's solo albums get really cool, it's a little bit later on when he starts incorporating um, things like African music and bits of Indian Eastern music, and he starts just experimenting in that way, but also bringing back a strong blues influence. And it just all starts to really work great for me when he starts doing that. I was never a real big fan of his solo work. And in the last few years, you know, I found Principal of Moments and this one and Pictures at 11. I think I got the three of those for a total of $15. Mm -hmm. So not all at once, but I mean, you can't. And then then I have no excuse. I have to actually dig into it. And this one, this one, this one left a mark. (laughs) Um, So we'll move on to the next song, Callaloo, Callaloo. This one for me is pure '80s trash pop. Yeah, it's it's, but with Led Zeppelin style lyrics. And there's a I can't tell if there's any guitar on this one at all. Uh, it it doesn't. It's not till later that there's a nice little kind of Jimmy Page style accent riff. Not like a not like a. I feel like there's a almost a bit of a solo, and it is Jimmy Page esque, definitely. Yeah. It's like a more like Jimmy Page physical graffiti rather than Jimmy Page Led Zeppelin too. Yeah, that, for on sure. this one, it's and you know I think you'll you would probably call these plinky plinks, but I called them broken glass synthesizers. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. And it's I I just didn't like this song. It, yeah, it no, that's fair enough. I liked it a bit more than the previous one. And actually, I thought there was actually a bit more blues going on. And there, there, there was actually, amongst the synths, I did detect a guitar, even from pretty much the start, there's a few slightly jazzy, bluesy chords. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a brilliant song, but I've, I've put that it's a bit more hooky than the previous one, but maybe still not quite enough to hang on to. Um, but I kind of like this one. I felt like this was going in a better direction. Um, and I love, I really did like that guitar solo a lot. At, at, at I the did. End. I, I liked that when they, when we got the, the arpeggiated kind of coloring riff, not, you know, not the riff riff. And it, I liked that. It's, there are pieces here, but it just doesn't, it doesn't add up for me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Well, look, let's move on then. So the third one is Too Loud. I will say I probably had mine too loud at that point. My wife called me when the song was on and I had to turn it down. So it... The irony. It, it, it is a little ironic. It is a little ironic or coincidental. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it's, this is another 80s weird song. And this is when any... There is nothing akin to Led Zeppelin in this song. There's no resemblance to Robert Plant's past life. Yeah. Yeah. There's a story about him taking this to the label and they basically said, what is this? Like, so that I, th- I think the label actually would have preferred him to do something that sounded like Led Zeppelin, to be honest. Um, but they basically said, what, what do you expect us to do with this? And, and Robert Plant said, well, let's, you know, get it on some radio stations and see what people think. So they premiered it on a, I think a Chicago radio station or something, and basically people uh, people wrote in and said, um, yeah, we're, we're not complimentary. Um, yeah, 
get the hey. um, SHIT off the radio was one of the uh, yeah. One of the it, clothes, apparently, it's another one. I just it's it's not the worst. But that's the problem with these two songs. They're not the worst of the bunch for me. Yeah, yeah. I've thought actually about this one that Plant to me sounds strangely like Geddy Lee, who's the singer from Rush, who actually copied Robert Plant's vocal style. To me, just I suddenly thought, who does he sound like here? And it's Geddy Lee. That is um, the most meta thing you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, man, it's all a bit weird. Tongue-in-cheek lyrics, you've got these um, noises, you know... Um, too loud and you've got these um sort of you know inappropriate noises which i presume are also from tony halliday and it's meant to be a bit of a joke apparently says robert plants um in interviews about it um there's this really bizarre voiceover at the end i, I don't know who reads it out it doesn't sound anything like robert plants um and i don't I, I i don't quite know what it's talking about or what it means but it's just a guy doing a a voiceover and plant kind of halfway through says something like talk to me Vinny or Vincent yeah, what was that I have no idea it's just weird isn't it this is this is the song that happens if David Byrne and Boy George are doing coke in a bathroom and then <laughs> go to the studio that is the best way I can describe this song yeah yeah that sounds about right that sounds about right yeah bit weird bit weird but it, anyway you know it wasn't before we go on to the next one it was a bit weird but i could still follow it as a song yeah foreshadowing anyway <laughs> next song is uh trouble your money this is my favorite song on this record it, there is no new wave in this one it's a rock song the drums don't even sound gated and reverbed it's it's like somebody snuck this song in and they didn't even and they put it didn't put it at the beginning or the end of the side it just kind of happened like did robert plant if let's let's assume did the powers that be who created the who did the creative direction on this album did they even know it was there did it get snuck hmm. in was this from a previous session it sounds so different than everything else i don't know what it's doing there now, what's weird is that that's not quite what I came up with for this. So, so I've put that it's, it's a little bit dub-ish. And to me, it was very reminiscent of the later Police stuff. And it, this was about the same time as the last Police album, I believe. Um, and to me, it really felt like that. This, this dark 80s alternative pop. Um, yeah, I, I quite liked it. Um, but for me, it didn't sound mega different. It just lent more towards the police than it did um, super kind of cheesy 80s synth pop, I suppose. Let me also say, leading up to this, I decided to listen to Principle of Moments and Pictures at 11 this week. Mm -hmm. And this is a song that is reminiscent of those albums. The only one. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe the th the three preceding songs dulled my senses into thinking it was something more than it was, but that's what I got out of it. It's still I still think that is a great song and an amazing song on on this album. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a bad song at all. So, yeah, I'll go with that. All right. Um. So the next one, track five, 
Which I guess are we on we're on side two now, aren't we? Violet no, we're this, this is the last song on side one. Oh, it is right. Okay, sorry. Oh so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So this is pink and black. Um, so yeah, fastish kind of fifties rock and roll influenced eighties pop. Um, Plant is totally at home singing on this one. He's, he's got a rock and roll. Uh, Influence and he just sings in his rock and roll bluesy Led Zeppelin voice, really. And all the this, lyrics uh, are like that, you know. This so song like, was so weird, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't find anything. It, it, I couldn't, I couldn't find it as a song. So I'll let you go ahead and take this one. Yeah, I no, I think, I think the issue for me was that there's just there weren't there's not enough hooks to hang on to. I think, um. Yeah, the the style is perhaps a bit jarring at first, but I I I actually quite like that '80s impression of '50s rock and roll. There were a few bands doing that at the time, and I, I don't I don't mind it. But it's just there wasn't enough. I don't know if this is quite the same thing that you're saying, but there wasn't enough to hang on to in terms of a chorus or even a right. verse. It's like he was. He was kind of scatting away almost in his Robert Plant style, but not really following any melodic structure that there, sticks in your head. There was no structure of any kind. It was just all of it just everywhere, okay. and I couldn't I couldn't follow it. It's I couldn't follow. Yeah, it. and it's just one of those things where I feel like maybe they recorded that one in a snowstorm of some sort. And because I don't know how, I don't know how a song like that makes it to an album that's not avant-garde art. Mm -hmm. So I guess that was the avant-garde '80s pop art sprinkled, <laughs> with, sprinkled with some Andy Warhol. Because I don't yeah. know how else you get there. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit odd. And I think I probably liked it a little bit more than you did, but but there's just not enough of a vocal melody there, not enough of a structured song, as you say. There's there's nothing there except look at look at us go. And here's the thing about this album. I knew what this album was. This isn't my first time listening to it. I bought it two years ago. I've heard it probably 20 times. Mm -hmm. And it still jars me. It jars me so much, even knowing what it is. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It is, yeah, it is a bit odd. I think I came into this album re really remembering it being so incredibly 80s and so synthy. that I, I guess I had low expectations. And, and actually, it was better than I remembered it, in a way. See, but I, had the, I had the exact same thing. Low expectations. High expectations, low expectations of quality, high expectations of synthes, of synthesizers. Yes. And I got both. And I got both in spades. And it's, I know it's not Led Zeppelin. I know this is a Robert Plant solo record in the middle of the 80s, 1985. But it's so hard to think that this is the guy that sang, you know, the Battle of Evermore that sang Jamaica, that sang Out on the Tiles, that sang Ramble On, that sang, you know, Gallows Pole. And then we get yeah. this. It's, yeah, it's sure. so hard to reconcile these two gentlemen. It yes, it, like it's the same guy. 
yeah totally all right let's move on to side two so little by little what did you get for this one this was the single this was actually a top 20 single so this was a legitimate hit well, the thing about this one this is in i will say this now this is the best song on side two for me um, mm-hmm. and this is probably what would led what led zeppelin would have become had john bottom not died it wasn't overly synthy. It wasn't underly synthy either. They already had a keyboard player. It's, you know, it's, it's good. You know, it's got an 80, what I would have considered to be an 80s Led Zeppelin sound. It's got some poppy tropes to it. It, you know, but it, yeah. as that happens, it's all gone too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think what makes this a better song, I agree with you, by the way, I, th- I think it is one of the best ones on here. Um, it's more hooky, it's more catchy, the melodies are better, the stronger, the more memorable. And also, it's got some good dynamic movement, it breaks right down, then it builds up again. There's these nice swelling pads, which are quite atmospheric and quite cool and not super cheesy. It did remind me of the band Japan again, um, who people should check out, by the way, if they... Uh, if they're well, into being as I've never heard of them, not that I know everyone, but you know, maybe that's maybe that's a good subject for the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I like this one as well. I like this one. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a perfect choice for the single because it showed that song showed multiple sides of the of the band. Yes, in in the middle of one song. For then, sure. oh God. Uh, we move into doo-doo-a-doo-doo. Yeah, we need to spell this one. So for some reason, doo-doo is written as D-O-O-D-O-O, then a-doo-doo, spelled D-O-D-O. So I don't know whether he means doo-doo as in excrements the first time. I don't know what he means, but it's all... It's... Robert Plant does this. He has these little tongue-in-cheek jokes, these little uh, bits of humour. And I don't know if they always work. Sometimes they're a bit like dad jokes, you know? Um, I, you know, it's it's doo-doo, a doo-doo, sha-la-la-la-la, sha-na-na-na-na. I couldn't, this song, (laughs) and I use the term song loosely. Yeah. This was an absolute jumbled mess. And I've got nothing to say other than it should have been erased. <laughs> okay, look, I don't quite think it should have been erased. I mean, it is totally weird. There's this weird, but I actually really liked it, this tense bass groove that goes through most of the song. And I actually liked that. And then there's these weird guitars in the background, which, again, I quite like. There's this tension there. Um, but it's odd because you've got Plant doing his whole shake it baby thing and the lyrics are all like that it's about you know um a woman who's clearly a good dancer and like she's got the moves and whatever i think he talks about the mambo and all this and he's just doing his robert plant thing just going into rock and roll blues kind of little richards um territory but it it jars with the with the backing music and then you get to this chorus where you've got presumably Tony Halliday doing the main vocals. And I've, I'd had to copy and paste the lyrics. Um, so this is the chorus to the song. 
Shup, shup, shalala. Shup, shup, shalala. Shup, shup, shalala. La. Oh, yeah. Shalala, la, 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 la. Nobody can do it so well. I'm going to so say this. That, what? I mean, I'm what gonna, is that? I'm going to say this. It, it, we are lucky, so lucky, that this was written in the 1980s rather than at Stratford-upon-Avon when the bard himself, William Shakespeare, was going. Because if William Shakespeare had seen this, he would have just been like, done. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I can't, I can't compete with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I just, what no, the hell no, is no, this crap? I don't... Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I got nothing on this one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one. But I did like quite a lot of the backing music, actually. This um, is why... This is why I sent you the records I did for Christmas. Yes. This, because you you appreciate oddness more than I do. Yeah, yeah possibly so. Possibly so. Um, I like odd, but I got to find the song. I, I like. Yeah. Let me guess. You like the Melvins, don't you? Yeah, I do have a bit of a soft spot for the Melvins. Yeah, he came out with some slightly dubious uh, views recently. But yeah, no, musically, yeah, I do have a bit of a soft spot. And to be honest, I haven't heard loads of this stuff. But yeah, yeah, that when yeah, I, I, I like the slightly weird stuff, yes. When I heard a song that was five minutes of him hammering a nail, I was out. <laughs> Completely out. <laughs> yeah. But now we head on to, if you're ready, Easily Led. Which to me, this is, uh, it sounds like Ferris Bueller music. The lyrics are, they sound like something Google Translate from 2003 would have spat out if you were trying to translate uh, French into English. And I'm. Yeah. Just at a loss. When it gets to this point in the album, I'm just, I'm just at a loss with what this is and where this is going. Yeah, I think there's there's no hook or chorus again, or there isn't enough of one. It's, it, I've just put all I've really put about this is fast '80s pop rock, and, and that's it. Um, it's a bit of nothing. Um, although the the title, I presume the title is a pun on based around the name Led Zeppelin, because of course mm. Led Zeppelin had to be written L E D. Um, you know, even though lead, the metal is spelled L-E-A-D. So right, people right. mispronounce it Lead Zeppelin. They changed the, the spelling for that purpose. And that made sense. But this, this is easily lead, L-E-A-D, as in the metal. So I'm, I'm, there's something there um, which is a, a pun about Led Zeppelin. Yeah, it seems to be about, um, I don't know what it's about, to be honest. Um, so, something to do with, um, I don't know, relationships and um, somehow uh, being taken advantage of in some way or... Uh, I was wondering if there was any like kind of swiping at Jimmy Page because this is around the time when the uh, firm is happening. That's a very good point. One of the lyrics, I think one of the lyrics is, I, I wouldn't do it to you, so don't do it to me. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, that's a very good point. I'm just going to get the lyrics up now just to see... Now you've mentioned that. I mean, uh, I'm probably really overreaching here, but we do know later that Jimmy pa that Robert Plant has issues with people Jimmy Page works with. 
yeah, the Jimmy true. Page Robert Plant reunion happened only because Jimmy Page worked with David Coverdale. Yes, and that angered Robert Plant. Yeah, you see, the trouble is, I'm reading the lyrics now. There's not much to suggest it's that it's mostly about a woman there's there's this repeated refrain she is so professional so professional um and it <laughs> and it ends um in classic fashion shake for me 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 yeah shake for me 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 yeah you know when he sings it it sounds so profound but when you say it out loud it loses something <laughs> I yeah, it was just my you know that's just where my brain was going because we had you know it hasn't been that long since we did the firm so yeah I don't yeah. know it's it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the first or last time somebody wrote a song about an ex bandmate that was uh, less than complimentary yeah certainly not certainly not then sixes and sevens another single which was yes. a, not as big of a hit as little by little. But it, it was a bit of a hit. And this is so synthy. And this is just when I finally put pen to paper and said, you know, this marriage of new wave and rock isn't working. Yeah, I've put it's a slow rock ballad. It's got the very big 80s drums, but I've I've put a similar thing. I've put some sense of pushing the boundaries of acceptability with their cheese factor, especially there's some more plinky plonk ones. And there's this particular line where it kind of goes, and I mean, it's not quite that, but it just does something outrageous to me. There's all these atmospherics going on and it's kind of working. And then you've got, I don't know, we talked about Inspector Gadget a few weeks ago in relation to a Rainbow Hour, and it, it, it feels like that type of really silly sound, like the type of thing you'd get in the middle of in, an Inspector Gadget episode. Um, eh, I don't know, man. Not brilliant. It's To me, it's not a good single, and it's definitely not a good closer, because, you know, yeah. you always want your, in my opinion, as a listener... You want your strongest tracks to be opening and closing each side. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's there that that happens a bit and a bit not. And you know, this this album, it's it's got a little bit of everything that Robert Plant had ever done. And I, I'm moving into the sum up now. Unless you got anything else to say? No, oh, that's fine by me. Okay. You know this. There's a little bit of rock, there's a little bit of reggae, there's a little bit of soul, there's a little bit of everything he did except for the folky stuff. There's no acoustics, nothing like that. A little bit of Eastern influence, a little bit of a little bit of most things, and a lot a bit of 80s new wave club music. And you know, the 80s take on reggae. And it's it's interesting to hear Robert Plant trying to do a new genre. Unfortunately, he's still Robert Plant and his voice and vocal voice and lyrics don't lend itself very well to that genre. So the whole time, everything feels out of place. I think that's exactly it. I think that's the key problem. I think there, there are some hooks lacking and some choruses lacking, but yeah, absolutely key is that he, his voice doesn't work in that way. And perhaps his, his writing of vocal melodies maybe doesn't work in that way. Um, he needs some big guitar riffs or, or something bluesier to, to work with, to, to, to play to his strengths. 
otherwise it just feels too jarring and uh, not not uh, cohesive enough. I would agree with that. And the whole thing is jarring because it's not, not only is it nothing like Led Zeppelin, but it's nothing like his previous records, nothing like his previous solo albums. And so you go from Pictures at 11 and Principle of Moments, which in my opinion are sound like very late stage Led Zeppelin, but there's no, there's no one that could listen to Shaken and Stirred and go, oh, it's from, it sounds just like Led Zeppelin, or it sounds even a little like Led Zeppelin. It's not, it's not a rock album and that's, but that's what he sings. So we talk about, you know, Rainbow, going back to that Rainbow record that you brought up. When we listen to that, one of the things we both said was if you like Richie Blackmore, this is a good record to listen to because he plays some good riffs. He plays some good solos. It's not a great record, but there's something to like. Same thing right here, except for this time, it's the vocalist. If you are a huge fan of Robert Plant, you're going to get some great plantisms. You're going to get great vocals on his on his part. You're going to get that classic, you know, that classic sound. It's just combined with something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's not an absolutely terrible album. I think it's just weird. Um, I think if you like Robert Plant's voice, I think you'll find a lot of uh, him sounding very strong here. Um, I think if you like the poppier end of Led Zeppelin, then you could conceivably quite enjoy some of this. Um, but yeah, I, I but don't go in there expecting it to be up to the sort of standard that Led Zeppelin's stuff was. Don't, uh, I would go farther than that. It's not even that. Don't go into this expecting a rock record. Totally, yeah. I think you know, that's absolutely key, yes. Wikipedia lists lists principle of moments as synth pop, pop rock, blah, 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 right? And then it lists this album, genre, classic rock. Okay, I think you need to switch those around a little bit. It's, you know, it's, it's an artist trying something new, whether, you know, by hook or by crook. And, you know, some other, some other positives I can say about this album, it sounds amazing. It sounds oh, truly amazing. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, very crisp, very clear. Um, even the drums, they have a bit of that 80s twang to them, but they're, they're, they're very punchy, very clear, very crisp. Um, and the band are brilliant. The band are absolutely great. We're talking about real top of their game session musicians. Um, Interestingly enough, it's this, apart from... Phil Collins, it is the same band he's had, the same guitar and bass he'd had for the past two albums. Right, right. That he also didn't use ever again. Right, there you go. On the next album, which was Now and Zen, which, by the way, I wanted to thank you for sending me the UK pressing. I believe the UK pressing sounds better than the American pressing I have. Oh, wow, well, there you go. Glad to be of service then. So uh, somebody, somebody in my life is going to get a nice little gift of a, of a U.S. pressing of that one. But, you know, you you'd alluded to this earlier. He went from this album where it felt like each, you know, the first three albums, it felt like he was walking away from Led Zeppelin a little bit more each time. And then he gets to this one and he's like, Led who? Yeah. And the, what happens on the next album? He takes a hard U-turn and goes back towards that kind of sound. 
Totally. And to me, it's I've never been a huge fan of Plant solo work. Led Zeppelin is not the kind of band that had a visionary leader that was the complete sound. Led Zeppelin was a jigsaw puzzle and every member of that band was 35% of the sound. Mm-hmm. I understand that that adds up to 150%. 140%. I understand that it ends up to 140%, but it's to me, that's the kind of band they were. Is yeah. They all brought in so many different things and it all simmered into Led Zeppelin. So Jimmy Page did one pseudo Led Zeppelin album with Coverdale, but that's because Coverdale wanted to be in Led Zeppelin more than he wanted to be in Deep Purple. Let's call thing what it is. And Jimmy, you know, Robert, or John Paul Jones has done nothing remotely Zeppelin-y since then. And Robert Plant gets a little adjacent, but he never, without the without those people, even with Jimmy Page, he didn't make a Led Zeppelin record. Because you don't, I think they were absolutely right to stop when they did, because they lost a significant portion of what made Led Zeppelin Led Zeppelin. And yeah. So I appreciate him, like his album with Alison Krauss, nothing like Led Zeppelin, great record. Yeah, really great record, yeah. The album he did a couple of years ago, um, Carrie Fire, nothing, no Zeppelin at all in that. Great record, very mellow, very calm, band of joy, all kinds of stuff. And he's, he's been solo long enough and recording long enough. And that's what I really appreciate about him as a solo artist is, you know, he doesn't, go up there, sorry, Roger Waters, sorry, Ace Freely, but he doesn't go up there and play a Led Zeppelin set. He goes yeah. up there and he plays a Robert Plant set. Same thing that Ozzy did, same thing that Gwen Stefani does. That's the difference between a successful solo artist and a failed solo artist. Yeah, totally, for sure. But honestly, that is all I have on this one. I could pontificate a lot more about solo artists, but that's not the point today. Yeah, no, that's about it for me. Um, I would say it is worth giving a listen to if you're into plant, but I think you hit the nail on the head there. Don't expect a rock record. This is very much of its time. Doesn't quite work because it's Robert Plant trying to be in the mid 80s, but um, I think there's enough. There's enough that's worth listening to to say the album is worth checking out, but... um, I don't think it will make many people's regular uh, rotation. Agreed. If we're saying spin it or bin it, I'm saying this one is a spin it, but spin it, don't buy it. It's not a, it's not a lost classic. It's not a lost gem. It's, it's Robert Plant trying something that he had never tried before. And whether or not it's a success is really up to your personal taste. Yeah. And for me, it's not. It's not something I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna listen to very often. I'd rather listen to Manic Nirvana. I'd rather listen to Now and Zen. I'd rather listen to the two albums that preceded this one. Yeah, I can go with that for sure. This is probably now. I'm not. You know, I guess I should say I'm a fan of Robert Plant's solo career at this point because I got six of his damn records. He's only done ten. So I guess I okay, fine. I'm a fan. This is probably my least favorite, but. It would be my least favorite, regardless of who sang this album. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So, unless you have anything else. No, that is it from me. I want to thank everybody again, as always, for listening. If you can, please subscribe, rate, review the show. Definitely appreciate that. 
catch us on Facebook if you haven't already at facebook.com slash DMA podcast. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. I'm Mick Thanks Turner. for listening. Bye. For Duncan Evans. See ya. <laughs>